0: We're going to have a scripture reading at this point in time. So, Jay, why don't you come up? I'm going to hand you the mic. Thanks. Scripture of the trays asked me to read this morning is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, if you'd like to follow along. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Okay, thank you, Jay. Well, good morning. Really glad you all are with us. If you have your Bibles, why don't you grab them at this point in time? And uh, if you don't have your own, there should be plenty of Bible, Bibles scattered in the pew backs in front of you. And uh, if you don't have access to either of those, you can certainly follow on the screen behind me. Turn to Matthew chapter 7, if you will, as we uh, close out our time here uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, at least for a few weeks, as we come to an end uh, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, and we will be looking at the passage that Jay just read, starting in verse 24, working our way all the way through the end of the chapter, verses 24 through 29. 29 in the seventh chapter of the gospel of Matthew. I trust that you're there close to it. Let's pray and we'll dive right in. So if you would pray with me, church. Father, it is an incredible privilege for us to be here to gather uh, in your name to worship your son through the power of your spirit. We pray that our worship would be well-pleasing to you, that the songs that we've sung would be songs that are true in our hearts and in our lives and And as we now turn to hear the very words of your son, Jesus, as we learn about the type of foundation that we can build our life upon and the type of of materials that we are building um, our life with, we pray that you would give us through your spirit great insight. I pray that you would speak through your word and through me and that all of us would have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are soft towards you that are willing to pursue obedience and joy. We ask it in the great and powerful name of Jesus and God's people said together, amen. So I want to begin this morning by asking you a a pretty simple question. I want to ask you uh, a few questions about the house that you live in. So picture that, if you will, momentarily, the house that, uh, that you live in. If I were to ask you to describe to me the house that you live in, most likely, you would begin to talk about its location, right? Well, it's in it's in town, or it's out in the country, or it's in the city, or it's in the suburb. You might tell me a little bit about its design. It's uh, it's a ranch style house. It's a two story house. It's it's uh, you know this or that. You might tell me a bit about its square footage. It's twelve hundred square feet, or it's twenty two hundred square feet. You might. Tell me a bit about its exterior. It's green or it's yellow or it's brown. You might say it has a siding or brick, right? Uh, You might then tell me a little bit about the lot or the piece of land or property that it sits on. You might say I've got three acres or I've got a a quarter of an acre or or whatnot. You might tell me it's a two-bedroom house. It's a three-bedroom house. It's a four-bedroom house. You will likely describe these type of things if I were to ask you about the type of house that you Live in. But what likely will not be on the list is the foundation of your house. But we would all acknowledge that the foundation of a house, structurally speaking, is probably the most important feature you can find. See, your house can have beautiful colors, it can have a wonderful layout, it can have tons of bedrooms, but if the foundation that your house is built upon is not solid, then your house is in great danger. I want to share with you a little bit about the house that I grew up in. Uh, uh, We grew up on a three-acre lot uh, down in south, south Texas near Corpus Christi. And uh, my mom and dad built this house and we grew up uh, for the majority of our life in it. And uh, it was a great house to grow up in, uh, great memories and all that stuff. However, um, when my mom and dad went to sell it about a decade ago, uh, originally um, they ran into some snags because they built this house on a slab foundation. Uh, And down in South Texas, there is a, a heavy amount, I am told, of clay in the soil. And that apparently is not good for foundations down South. In fact, foundations often will move or will crack, causing homeowners, I am told, all sorts of fit. So that when my mom and dad went to try to sell their house, uh, the initial home inspector came and looked at it and said, you know what, your foundation, I believe, has uh, significantly shifted, causing one side of the house to be more elevated than the other. And uh, the inspector recommended to my mom and dad that they have some rather expensive and uh, challenging foundation repairs done to the slab of the house. Well, my mom and dad didn't like the sound of that, and so they got a second opinion. They decided to, uh, to hire some sort of structural engineer, and uh, that engineer determined that the inspector was wrong and that the foundation was solid, it was secure, there was no problems, and the house eventually sold, much to the, uh, the happiness of my mom and dad. The point here is, is pretty simple. A solid foundation makes for a stable home, but a shaky foundation makes for an unstable home. Home. And I'm sure you can guess the passage that we're turning to now and why we're talking about foundations. Today we officially close out Jesus' most popular sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, by looking at uh, his final illustration. We've seen four, uh, four sets of illustrations, and each of those illustrations uh, talk about two choices that we have as it relates to Jesus and his coming kingdom. Uh, You may recall that Jesus began by telling us that there are two roads, that there are two paths that we can take, right? The narrow road and the broad road. One leads to eternal life. One leads to eternal death. He went on to talk about how there are two trees, There are two types of spiritual leaders, two types of teachers that we can listen to. Uh, One bears good fruit and the other bears bad fruit. And depending upon who we listen to, one leads to life and the other leads to death. If you were with us last Sunday, you recall that there uh, was the illustration of the two disciples there was the disciple that said, Lord, Lord, but didn't follow Jesus with his or her, her life. There was a false disciple, and then there were true disciples that pursued doing the will of Jesus' and our Heavenly Father. So there's two paths, there are two trees, there are two types of disciples. Finally, Jesus culminates and ends this, this section in verses 24 through 21, 29 by telling us about two types of houses. One house will stand in the judgment, and the other, he says, will fall. In this little parable that we see here, Jesus will tell us about two types of builders, right? There is the wise builder, and then there is the foolish builder. And those two builders build their lives on two types of foundations, right? The, the, the rock and the sand, that which is solid and that which is uh, Not stable. And then the the end of their house, or the destiny of their house, uh, he portrays in two different types of images. One house will stand, and the other house will fall. This is the crescendo, if you will, of Jesus' illustrations, pointing us to two possible results on Judgment Day for every person that has ever lived. In other words, you are one of these two houses. The section begins with the wise man in verses 24 through 25. And then Jesus talks about the foolish man in verses 26 through 27. The section ends then in verses 28 through 29 as we see the response of the crowd. How how do the people who originally listened to Jesus' words, how do they respond to his sermon? We see that in verses 28 and 29. So let's get into the parable, starting in verse 24, as Jesus describes the house that will stand. Verse 24 reads this way. Therefore, therefore, it's a great summary word, right? Jesus says, in light of everything that I've said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice— What are they like? Jesus says, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus begins to wrap up his sermon with these summary words. Therefore, therefore, everyone who is listening to my words, every one of you who who hears what I have to say, it's kind of like Jesus is saying, listen, I've given you this sermon, three chapters worth, most likely Uh, there was much more that was said. He said, in light of everything that you have heard from me in this sermon, this is what you should do. This is how you should respond to my Teaching. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine... But notice, Jesus is going to start with an illustration. He's going to describe a wise builder. But the wise builder is likened to the person who not only hears Jesus' words, right, but does what? Who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Or like Jesus' half-little brother James says in his epistle, James chapter 1, verse 22, But prove yourselves doers of the word, James says, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. So Jesus wants us to hear his words and to take them into our lives and to begin to apply them. Because we all know there's a marked difference between hearing and obeying, right? Parents, can I get an amen there? I don't hear it. There is a marked difference, thank you, between hearing and obeying someone's words. So here's an illustration. I won't pick on my children. I'll pick on myself. Um, About every six months or so, um, because my insurance says you need to go to the dentist and get your teeth cleaned, I do that. And so I go to the dentist, and we have great dental hygienists. And uh, I dread going there, not because my teeth are bad or they're going to you know do mean things to me. They're very kind to me, um, but I, I don't like going there because I know I'm going to get asked the same question. And it's it's a question that goes like this: So Trey, your teeth look pretty good. You you're brushing, yeah, brush regularly. Um, so how are you flossing your teeth regularly? That's the question. It's the dreaded question because. If I were honest, which I am, I always say, No, I'm not. I don't I don't floss regularly. They say, How often do you floss? Some of them might ask that. And I may say, You probably don't want to know because <laughs> I'm I'm ashamed to say how how little I, I floss my, my teeth. Because I know, because they've told me so, that flossing my teeth is important. It's good for my gums and all that stuff. I hear them when they say it, but do I do it? I do not. There is a marked difference between hearing somebody's words and actually pursuing obedience. And Jesus says, listen, those of you who hear me, it's not enough to hear. I want you to begin to apply. And those of you who do listen and begin to apply my words, those people are like, he says, they are like a wise man, a wise person. Who builds their house upon the rock. It's a very simple illustration, is it not? Children can understand this. That's why there's the great song, right? The wise man, right? We we teach our kids to sing this song, it's very easy to understand. It's a it's a simple concept. The evidence of a good builder here is what they choose to build their foundation upon. And in this case, the wise builder, the good builder, builds his house upon that which is stable, something steady, that which is firm, a rock, the NIV translates it. Jesus is saying that the wise person who chooses to build their life upon him and upon his words builds their spiritual house and their eternity on solid ground. So let me ask a question. Who is the rock, or what is the rock that Jesus is describing here? He says, you're a wise builder. They build their spiritual house in their eternity, and they, they, they trust in something that is rock-like. Well, if we keep reading in the Gospel of Matthew, all the way to Matthew chapter 21, there in verse 42, Jesus refers to himself as a type of rock. In fact, he refers to himself there as a cornerstone, right? The the pivotal rock upon which the foundation of the house was built. He says to his hearers there that are questioning them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected, referring to the religious leaders of Israel, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So who is that cornerstone? He is referring to himself. He is the cornerstone. In fact, if you keep reading in the New Testament, you'll find out that, that uh, Jesus is likened to a rock or a solid foundation. It's a picture that when a person places their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and for salvation, that they are, in, in a sense, uh, pl- uh, building uh, their life and, and trusting on a solid thing, something that's solid. We see that in 1 Corinthians 3. And We'll see that here in a second. We also see in Ephesians chapter 2 that the church collectively is built upon the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is is saying here, listen, if you hear the words of me, uh, of my words, and if you begin to put them into practice, if you trust in me, you're building your spiritual life both now and forever upon something that is solid. So then as we move into verse 25, we get an image the image continues there's a wise builder he builds his house upon something solid but then trouble comes verse 25 what will judgment day be like for a person who builds their spiritual life upon jesus well let's see verse 25 the rain came down the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against That house. Do you think that house will stand? Jesus tells us. He says, Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation upon the rock. What is the image that Jesus is giving us here? The image that Jesus is giving us is a picture of what Judgment Day will be like for the person who trusts in Jesus and builds their house upon that rock. The day of judgment is likened to a great storm, to a great storm that beats upon one's spiritual house, testing it to reveal if its foundation is strong. And friends, don't miss the point here. The day, that day, is coming. It's coming for me. It's coming for you. It's coming for everyone who has ever lived upon the earth. The day of the storm and the wind and the rain, it's coming. The day is coming. But this person described here, what happens to their house? It endures because they have trusted in Jesus Christ. They have built their, their spiritual house on a rock. There's a story that I came across this week that I think is interesting. Way back in 1992, I'm sure some of you remember 1992. A hurricane swept across South Florida by the name of Hurricane Andrew. And uh, devastating many homes, and there was a story of a of a, of a community that ha- was pretty much de- devastated except for one house. There was one house that that remained, and it was firmly anchored to its foundation. And when a reporter saw that home, that reporter interviewed the homeowner, and uh, she asked him why his house wasn't destroyed. And the homeowner said, "I I built this house with my own two hands," and then he said. I built it according to the Florida State Building Code. I, I built it according to code. I, I made it, and they, and they told me if I, if I built it this way, that it would withstand anything, even a hurricane, and, and that's what happens. Friends, in a similar way, when you and I construct our life on Christ's building codes, if you will, if we listen to his words and we pursue obedience to them, if we place our faith in him, then our spiritual house will withstand the day of judgment. But we have to be honest with ourselves, I think. If we choose to build our life upon the, upon the rock of Jesus, Jesus has told us, even in this little sermon, that that's not an easy road, right? We choose the narrow path. It's marked with persecution. It's hard. It's, it's not an easy road. But if we construct our life according to his plans, our house will not only stand in Judgment Day, but we will not be disappointed. On that day, in spite of the hardship, in spite of the difficulty of following Christ faithfully, we won't be disappointed. Our house will endure, despite the cost. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, tells us this. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, Referring to Jesus. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Will never be put to shame. Jesus has outlined for us on the Sermon on the Mount the attitudes, the actions, the behavior of true followers of Christ. And he said, this is what true Christians look like. And then he's told us, it's a hard road. It's tough sledding, but it is worth it. You will not be put to shame if you build your spiritual house upon the rock of Jesus. If you're familiar with college football at all, there is a legendary coach who coached for uh, the University of Alabama. And uh, they called him the Bear, the great Paul Bear Bryant. Subsequently, do you know where he coached before Alabama? I don't think so. Somebody else's alma mater. But he became famous at uh, his his own alma mater, Alabama. And the bear was known for um, grueling practices. He was known for taking his players out into a, a harsh conditions for two days, for several weeks, and just beating them to a pulp into the ground. Really difficult. And I came across an article of one of his former players, and they were asking him about the two-a-days. And he told a, a story of... of it was towards the end of, of summer football practice, right? The season was just about to get started, and they were beat down, bruised up, exhausted. And he speaks of the, the time when the coach called them together, and he said something like, men, you know, gather round. Let me let me tell you something. He said something to the effect of, nobody in this country has been through what I put you through. Nobody has been pushed like you. Nobody has been uh, 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 hit like you. No, nobody has been pushed to the limits like you. And men, let me tell you something. One of these days, those practice garbs that you're wearing, we're going to put them aside. And Saturday's going to come, and some team is going to come to the great uh, Alabama stadium, and we're going to beat them to a pulp. And then he ended his speech by saying something to the effect of, then gentlemen, on that day, on the day of victory, all that hardship, all of those practices, it's all going to be worth it. It's all going to be worth it. I think that's what Jesus is saying to his followers. He's saying, friends, the Christian road is difficult. If you choose the narrow path, if you choose to listen to teachers with good fruit, if you're a disciple that pursues uh, doing the will of my Father in heaven, if you build your house upon Jesus, it's going to be hard. But friends, in the end, your house will stand. There will be victory. See, for the Christian, It's all going to be worth it. For the disciple, the true disciple of Jesus, even the day of victory, excuse me, even the day of judgment for us will will be like a day of victory. So Jesus describes the house that stands in verses 24 and 25. Um, Sadly to say, there is another type of house. Because this doesn't describe all of humanity. See, not everyone builds their house and their life upon the solid rock of Jesus. And so he goes on in verses 26 and 27 to describe the house that that falls. As with the previous house, Jesus likens the person who hears his words and refuses to do them to a foolish builder that builds their house on an unstable foundation. Verse 26, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand see the opposite of a wise man here is a foolish man in greek it's the word the word moros you can probably guess the english word that comes from that greek word Jesus is saying, essentially here, that a man who refuses to listen to the gospel, who refuses to listen to his teachings, who refuses to listen to his words, a stupid moron, a fool, if you will, because they are building upon something that will not last. So why would a builder in that day? Why would a builder in that day do this? Why would they build their house upon the topsoil or, or upon a, a sandy substance? Well? I think there's a couple reasons. First, it was simply easier to do that. It was simply easier than than digging deeper to the bedrock, just kind of build on the top. Secondly, I think that that person anticipated that the rains wouldn't come, and that the floods wouldn't rise, and that the wind would not beat upon his house. And as we think about it, I think those are two reasons why people refuse to listen to Jesus and his words, and to trust in him as their savior today. It's easier not to. It's just easier to live life on your terms rather than to submit to Jesus. It's just easier. Jesus demands repentance. Jesus demands obedience. Jesus demands faith in him. And he says, oh, and by the way, the road's going to be narrow and it's going to be a hard path. It's just easier to go on the broad path. It's just easier. And second, I think many people wrongly assume that the day of death and the storms of judgment day will just simply never come like this builder in Jesus' parable. But there's only one little problem. The Bible says that in the forecast, there are storms. Storms are lurking upon the horizon. Verse 27, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And what was its end? He tells us it fell with a great crash. See, in contrast, of course, to the previous home, when the winds of judgment begin to blow against this house that was built upon the shifting sands of, of anything, of, of humanism or self or philosophy or materialism or whatever it is that a person chooses to live their life for and to build their house upon, Jesus says that house will come crashing down with a crash that is great. In Greek, the word great is at the end of the sentence, emphasizing that it's not just a fall. It is a great fall. It is a horrible fall. Emphasizing the point that if you reject Jesus and if you reject his words, that your eternity if you will, will come crashing down upon you. Last summer, my family and I had, a, had the privilege of going down to Texas to spend some time with my mom and dad and my siblings. And uh, we were at Galveston Beach for a few days. And uh, one of the things uh, that, the first things that our, our children did along with their, their nieces was we go out in the water and, and what do kids want to do in the sand? They want to build a sandcastle, right? And so they started to build, craft a sandcastle. And uh, there was only one little problem, They built it too close to the what? Too close to the water, right? And the waves came in, and away went the house. And they learned rather quickly. Uh, You need to kind of move back. Friends, such is the eternal peril of those who build their house upon the sand. In rejection of Jesus, there is a great crash. So, we've seen this simple Parable. What will Judgment Day be like for the person who believes in Jesus as their Savior and builds his or her life upon them? Their house will stand on Judgment Day. What will the Judgment Day be like for those who build their house in rejection of Jesus? There will be a great crash. Well, as the sermon ends here in verses 28 and 29, how do the people respond? See, we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, and it's taken us like, 12 weeks, but they heard it in one shot, right? They listened to the whole sermon. And how did they respond? Verse 28 When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Why? Well, verse 29 tells us why because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And so the crowds are sitting there, and they, Jesus finishes his sermon, and they're amazed. They're in awe of both what he taught, and specifically here, how he taught. Because unlike their teachers, who simply cited other rabbis and other people's opinions of the law, Jesus claimed to be God's definitive, authoritative uh, interpretation of the law. He claimed to speak as if he were God himself, because that's what he was. He was God, and so they were amazed at this type of teaching. But, friends, let me ask you a question Can you be amazed at the person and work and teachings of Jesus and walk away from Jesus without trusting Him as your Savior? Without being like the wise builder who hears and listens and builds their spiritual house upon the rock? Yes, you can. They were amazed. They were like, wow, great sermon. They liked it on Facebook, right? It got all sorts of hits. This is a great sermon. This is a great guy. Wow, this is great. But as far as we know, many of them failed to respond to Jesus' amazing grace here. They were amazed at it. But friends, that's not conversion. To be merely impressed with Jesus and merely to kind of say, yeah, that's a great sermon. Now, what is Jesus pressing for here In this last little parable, he wants a personal response, does he not? Dr. Daryl Bach from Dallas Seminary summarizes it this way. You can read it on the screen behind me. He says, so the sermon ends with a challenge not to ignore responding to Jesus and his teaching. Jesus is a figure who is not placing his teaching forward because it is a recommended way of life. He represents far more than that. His teaching, Bach writes, is a call to an allegiance that means the difference between life and death, between blessing and woe. Jesus, he says, is more than a prophet. Indeed, he's more than a prophet. He is indeed the very Son of God. And so Jesus, here in this illustration, presses his hearers, he presses you and I for a response. What are we going to do with him? What are we going to do with his words? So the crowds were amazed at his teachings. What about you? We've been at it for about 12 weeks. What about you? How will you respond to Jesus's words? Let's begin to think about our response here by asking a couple questions. Number one, how will you respond to this little parable? Because first and foremost, Jesus wants us to respond to this little parable about two types of builders and two types of houses and two types of eternal destinies. He wants us to hear that and to internalize it. And so what really the question becomes, which house is ours? Because really there is no option C. You're building your spiritual house and your eternity rests upon the rock, the foundation, which is Jesus, or it doesn't. Your house will stand on Judgment Day or it will fall. All of us. So we have to ask, which which house are we like? Which, Which house are we building? Which builder are we? Are we a wise builder? We've trusted in Jesus? Are we a foolish builder that builds our life upon anything else other than Jesus and his words? Which house is yours, my friend? I don't want your spiritual house to be like the foolish builder. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. And so Jesus presses us to trust in him as the solid foundation, as the solid rock. And if you've never done that before, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus and in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, for eternal life, then here in a moment, we're going to pray and we're going to close in a song and I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray with me To trust in Jesus, the solid foundation who will withstand Judgment Day. Because, friends, Jesus took your punishment for you. He took the winds and the waves of the holy wrath of God for you on the cross so that you don't have to. And if you simply build your house upon that foundation, you will withstand the Judgment Day. So how will we respond to this parable? Second, how will we respond to the Sermon on the Mount? Friends, maybe you are here today, and I'm hoping it's the vast majority of you, and you know that you have built your house upon Jesus the bedrock. You know that you're a Christian. You know that on Judgment Day, you will withstand the, the wrath of God because Jesus took it for you. Your spiritual house will stand. Praise God for that. I pray that that is all of us. And so there is a question then that we need to consider. The type of foundation that you are building your house upon, if you are a Christian, is settled, right? That solid rock is Jesus Christ. You're building upon him. It's settled and it's done for. But friends, the wise builder not, didn't just lay a foundation, did he? What did he build? He built a house, right? And friends, it's an interesting image. We, as Christians, are building a house with our life. Paul tells us as much in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And he wants us to know, what type of house are we building? The foundation is Jesus, yes, but we are building a spiritual house. What type of building material are you using to build the rest of your spiritual house with? In fact, in 1 Corinthians 3, it should be on the screen behind me, verses 11 through 15, Paul speaks of of, of judgment day as well. A judgment day for a Christian that we will undergo, not for our salvation. Friends, our trust is in the solid rock of Jesus. But there will be a day in which Jesus will reward us for the type of spiritual house that we have built as Christians. Notice verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Right? You're, you're a Christian. Your foundation is built. There it is. It's laid. Verse 11, For no uh, verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, so let's just pause there, if you're a Christian and you want to build a nice spiritual house that will be rewarded one day, what kind of materials do you want to build with? You want to build with gold? That sounds good. You want to build with silver? That sounds pretty good. You want to build with costly stones? Yeah. Do you want to build with wood? Mm. Want to build with hay? Mm. You want to build your house with straw? Like the little pig brother? That's not going to withstand the big bad wolf coming, right? That's not going to withstand Judgment Day. Notice verse 13. Their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has uh, been building survives, the builder will receive a what? A reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved eternally, even though only as one, escaping through the fire. So Christian, you have laid your foundation on Jesus Christ. It's solid. It's secure. Your eternity is set. But we have to ask ourselves, what's the rest of your house look like? Is it straw? Is it lived for yourself? For your own purposes? For your own pleasures? Is it a life of disobedience to God? What are you building? What kind of material are you using? Are you using gold and silver? Pursuing obedience to God to build a house that matters. On judgment day, Paul says that fire will reveal that. So friends, on that day, some of us will end up having rather nice houses that will survive the fire, and we will be richly rewarded as a follower of the king. But some of us, and I pray it's not many of us, there will be the fire of judgment. And if we have lived our lives for ourselves, if we have lived our lives pursuing sin, not really caring about the things of the Lord very much, those things will be burned. And yes, we will enter into eternity with the solid foundation of Jesus, but as through fire, right? And all that we have lived our life for, if it wasn't for the kingdom of God, will be burned into chaff in a moment. Just like that. So Christian, what kind of house are you building? What kind of house are you building? So, a few weeks ago, I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago. It was a Friday night, I remember that, and there were storms rolling into the area. You remember what I'm talking about if you live here in Cisna? There were storms rolling into the area, and about maybe five o'clock or so, we were, at least here in Cisna, under a tornado warning, and uh, my phone went off like maybe yours did, and I grabbed it, and it said something for the effect of, tornado warning or tornado spotted, seek shelter immediately. And so I said, come on guys, let's go across the street. Our neighbors have a basement, we don't. And so I said, let's go. And uh, we're walking across the street, and lo and behold, I hear a siren uh, throughout town, right? And the siren is going off. A tornado has been spotted or something to that effect. And so we're like, here we go, right? Let's go. And for the next 45 minutes or so, we rode out the storms. And thankfully, at least here in Sisson, as far as I know, there were no, no tornadoes. Um, but it's, it's kind of nice to get a warning, isn't it? It's really nice when there is an imminent danger ahead for our phones to go off and for a siren to blaze. It's good to have a warning, isn't it? Friends, Jesus in this last parable is giving us a warning. It's a storm warning about the day of judgment. There is a great storm on the horizon of every person. And so we can't say that we haven't been warned. We can't say that we didn't know. The question then becomes, number one, will will your spiritual house stand the storm? Will it stand on the day of judgment or will it not? And then secondly, if it will, and you're a Christian, will it stand the fire? What are you living your life for? What kind of spiritual house are you building? Let's pray now, and we'll close by singing about Christ, our cornerstone. Let's pray together.